salutations. Welcome, everybody, to the first half of the Friday Double Dutch here on Keyboard Cora, the Punch Drunk Predictions for UFC 290. Tomorrow night at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. I'm your host, as always, Spencer Kite, friendly neighborhood Spencer man. Getting excited. We are to, to use a phrase from the great John Anik. Happy belated birthday, John and Jason Anik. We are one more sleep away from the best fight card of the year, UFC 290. As I said, tomorrow at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Before we get to this week's picks, we look back to last week's picks. UFC Vegas 76. We went seven and five. It's it's not the best. It's not the best. Abbas Megomedov had five minutes of gas, apparently. The Ariane Lipsky split is one I can live with in terms of fights I got wrong. That's what we're doing here. Elvis Brenner coming back. One of the biggest upsets and one of the best comebacks of the year. Can't be mad at that. The two that really get me are Luana Carolina and Alexander Romanov. Not great reads. Picking the undefeated Aries FC fighter, uh, Ivana Petrovich coming in, expecting her to go in and get a victory. That's a, that's a bad read. As I said in the About Saturday's action piece, I need to start doing a better job of taking those veterans that have been in the octagon a few times because it clearly has an impact on things. And then Romanov and Ivanov, it's one of those ones where I should have sided with the slightly more athletic, the younger, more dynamic potentially dynamic, I should say, Romanov over Ivanov. Pick the younger dude. Pick the guy that has gotten some finishes over the stodgy vet. That's, those two are the bad picks. But the other ones, and I mean, Abus, I thought he had more than five minutes of gas. Turns out I was wrong. For the year, 131, 98 and three, with two no contests, a 560 winning percentage. I mean, now the, the 70... The 700 winning percentage, I should say, is probably not attainable. I need to go on a real crazy run here over the back half of the year to hit that 700 winning percentage. So now we're we're aiming, let's just, let's do this incrementally. Let's stop thinking about the end of the year total and let's just get through months. Let's just get through the back half and let's start putting up, let's, let's get this 60%. Let's get to the 600 winning percentage. That's what I'm going to hope to do as we start going forward. And if we keep building that, if we keep getting above that number, we will get closer to that 700 winning percentage that I want to have for every year. As I said last week, seven and five on the picks. Not great. Above water is always better than than drowning. Don't get me wrong, but we regroup, we move on, and it brings us to the best fight card of the year. UFC 290, punch drunk predictions. Here we go. Main event, Yair Rodriguez and Alexander Volkanovsky fighting to unify the featherweight division. Am I pick yours, Volk? As much as I do 100% believe that Yair Rodriguez has the talent, the skill, the dynamism to go out here and win this fight tomorrow, to land something funky on Volk that puts him out, to catch him in something, in a transition, to get the job done, I have to side with the guy that I think, for me, is the best fighter walking God's green earth right now. I think Volkanovsky is so intelligent, so sharp, so smart, surrounded himself with a collection of the best minds and best people 
in this sport to help him continue to be the most complete fighter in this sport. And I think we see another dominant performance from Alexander Volkanovsky. When this fight was first announced, I had immediate reactions of this might look like Frankie Edgar Yair Rodriguez at UFC 211 in Dallas. I don't necessarily think it gets that bad to where we get a stoppage and Yair is lumped up. But a couple of things here. Yair Rodriguez doesn't, in my opinion, wear damage well. He does cut. He does swell. He does not carry shots well. And when you're going in there with Alexander Volkanovsky, who is going to put a pace on you, who's going to hit you every chance he gets, who has a very good job, who is going to chop at those legs, who is happy to catch a kick and run you to the ground and smash elbows in your face. I think that's going to be a bit of a factor. If not in stopping the fight, at least in limiting what Yair Rodriguez is able to do, putting enough damage on him that maybe he can't see out of one of the eyes. Maybe he is bloody and that takes away a little bit of that spirit. To his credit, Yair, fight with Chan Sung Jung, right? In it till the very end, losing that fight right up until the literal last second when he won it. Fight with Max Holloway, getting beat up a little bit, but had good moments, never stopped coming forward. I give him full marks for that. But I think Volk goes out here and puts it on him. I think there's a little bit of, let me remind some folks who I am, what I am, what I'm capable of for Volk this weekend. And I think we see that. I think he goes out, successfully defends the title, and then we're going to have to see or or unifies the belts, defends his belt, unifies it, gets rid of there being an interim champion, remains undisputed, continues to reside at the top of the mountain, as I talked about in my piece with him this week on UFC.com, Alexander in the Mountain. Please go check that out. And then we see where he goes. Then we see what he does. Maybe it's a rematch with Islam Mahashev. I personally don't need to see that fight right now. Yes, it was close. Yes, it was competitive. It was a terrific fight, but we don't need to run it back. Islam shouldn't have to go back-to-back -back against a guy outside of the division, and he shouldn't go back-to-back -back against the guy outside of the division, even if Volk is wanting to come up full-time and leave the division. I do think he is interested in Ilya Tapuria, who is, to my estimation and to many's, the number one contender in this division now after his win over Josh Emmett, but we'll see. First things first, and that's Saturday, Yair Rodriguez, Alexander Volkanovsky getting his hand raised for the 13th straight time at featherweight in the UFC. Coming event, Brandon Moreno versus Alexandre Pantoja for the flyweight title, the rivalry, Moreno down 0-2, and I think he gets a win. It's not going to bring him all the way back. Obviously, he will still be down 2-1 to one against the Brazilian. But this one probably means a little more. This one's going to mean a little bit more than losing on the Ultimate Fighter, than losing in the UFC earlier in a non-title matchup, because this one, there's gold on the line. And I think Moreno gets the job done simply because what we've seen over these last five fights for him. To me, Brandon Moreno has grown through his series with Davison Figueredo. I think we've seen it. I think we've seen him grow in confidence in abilities, in understanding of his own abilities. And as good as Pantoja is, I think Moreno's kind of not a great matchup for him, this version of Moreno. I know that maybe sounds weird to people that are like, bro, he beat him twice. This version of Moreno, 
that isn't going to be dispirited, that isn't going to be reckless and put himself in bad spots and have to chase things. This version of Moreno that is accepting of the fact that there's going to be some suck on Saturday night. There's going to be some misery on Saturday night, and we're just going to soldier forward. We're just going to keep coming forward because over 25 minutes, this guy can't withstand what I bring to the table. I think that's a piece of what we saw in the Kai Kara France fight where Kai was doing very well in that fight and Moreno just kept coming. It was just like, fine, this is what it is. Here's a kick to the body. I think we saw in the fight with Davison Figueredo earlier this year that Moreno has really leveled up and really started to believe in his talents and his ability and his place at the top of this division. And I think that transfers over on Saturday. I talked to Harry about this a little bit today, just before I hopped on, asked his thoughts. And I think he's his assessment is the correct assessment. And I'm sure he shared it on the Severe MMA preview show. So go check out the boys once you're done here. Pantoja is a guy that, while he can dial it in and rein it in a little bit and win a decision, that's not really who he is. He is the attacking, aggressive, get after you. Not necessarily look for a finish, but look to create opportunities where there, that is a possibility. And I think Moreno thrives in that spot now. I think he's happy to be there now and has the weapons and tools and understanding to use that to his advantage and to work with that and have success. I think the champion retains. And then we have to wait and see. Then we see what comes next. The division is shaking out. We're getting some movement. Davison Figueredo obviously is, has gone on. Pantoja was the logical challenger here. We'll see what's next. And Yoel Mirabazi has said he should be next, but, but we shall see. This could be a second win this year for Brandon Moreno. Put him in the running for fighter of the year, I would say. I think he gets it done. I think he retains and solidifies, really cements his place atop this division. Middleweight feature fight, Robert Whitaker and Drickus Duplessis. My pick here is Whitaker. He is the, I was going to say the gold standard, but he is the silver standard in the middleweight division. Israel Adesonia is the gold standard of the division as he is the man with the gold. But Whitaker is not far behind. And I think that's the piece to me that is always going to have me leaning Robert Whitaker in these matchups. Against anyone else in this division, I am going to pick against anyone other than Adesanya, I should say, I'm going to pick Robert Whitaker. He is a well-rounded, cerebral, smart, dangerous fighter. And as good as Duplessis has done in constantly getting victories and constantly finding ways to win and grind out finishes and find openings and get stoppages, I don't think he can do that on Saturday against Rob Whitaker, who is technical enough to stay at range and beat him at range, is dangerous and powerful enough and dynamic enough in terms of the weapons that he does bring to the table to potentially hurt him and finish him and get a stoppage. There's just too much for me working against Drickus Duplessis and, and in the evidence column in favor of Robert Whitaker getting this win. So I go with the Reaper, I go with Bobby Knuckles, and then, again, similar to a couple of these, and we talked about this a little bit on, on yesterday's show on 10 Things, 
we'll have to see what happens in this division. I, I personally don't need to see him in there with Israel again quite yet, but I would understand if they did it because if he keeps sitting there beating everybody that, that tries to get past him at a certain point, you have to just give him that opportunity. So we shall see. Move to lightweight, Jalen Turner versus Dan Hooker. This is one I struggled with. And in the end, I, I landed on Jalen Turner. What really kind of worked it through for me as I, this is one that quite frankly, pull me, pull back the curtain. I was in on Dan Hooker last night, consulted Harry, always a guy that I go to for my opinions, for my thoughts, for, for bouncing stuff off, off of him to talk through these things. He made some good points. I got thinking about it. And it came down to the fact that I picked Jalen Turner to beat Matoish Gamrot. And if I thought he could beat Matoish Gamrot, who I think extremely highly of, and who has proven himself to be a top 10 fighter right now in the lightweight division, then I have to pick him to beat Dan Hooker, who is somebody that I like a great deal. I have a very good relationship with Dan, fortunate to have him on a conversation with back when it was over on Severe. Terrific guy, terrific fighter, love watching him compete. But I think Jalen Turner is just a little bit better. He's a little more dangerous and sudden. And he's got a little few more wrinkles to his game. And I think this is going to be one of those situations. And if I play it out in my head, it's going to be one of those fights where they get after each other. Jalen Turner lands something a little crispy that hurts Dan Hooker. And then he finds a choke. That's how I think this is going to play out. Now, I would not be at all surprised if Dan Hooker won this fight. He is a veteran. He has been in there with some of the best in the division. And he's dangerous. And if Jalen Turner goes out there and makes mistakes, Dan Hooker can make him pay. But for my previous selection earlier this year and the overall totality of where these guys are at in terms of their Jalen Turner ascending, Dan Hooker being 33 at that maybe plateaued point of his career. I'm going to go with Turner and we'll, we'll see what happens though. Main card opener, Bo, Bo Nickel versus Val Woodburn. The pick here is obvious. It is Bo Nickel. I think this is a demolition, but I'm curious to see it. I think Bo Nickel wins handily. I think he probably wins in the first round if the grappling has continued to improve because I don't necessarily know that he's just going to take him down and wrestle him and keep him there. Bo Nickel has shown thus far an ability and a desire to chase finishes and hunt finishes and then find them. And I just want to see what that evolution, what that progression has been like over these last several months since he got that debut win to build that submission game and that part of the grappling acumen out even more. Bonica wins this fight. Then we see where we go from there. As he said yesterday, I want to see a slow progression. I don't want to see him hustled up the rankings but the UFC may feel otherwise. So we'll see what happens. Off to the prelims. Closed out by Robbie Lawler in his farewell fight against Nico Price. Call me sentimental. Call me a sucker. I'm picking Robbie Lawler. This isn't just a heart pick, although being 44 years old, having covered Robbie's return to the UFC, that entire rise, gotten to speak with him a lot of times. There is a fondness that I have for Robbie Lawler, but I also think form-wise, stylistic-wise, this fight plays to some of the strengths of Robbie Lawler. 
Nico Price is a guy that is willing to get hit and willing to take shots. And I think Robbie Lawler is going to find his chin. That's what I think happens. I think Nico Price fights with an aggressiveness and maybe a little bit carelessness about his own well-being, his own self-regard. We've seen it many times over, right? Goes out there and things can be going well right up until they're not because he gets a little ahead of himself and the chin gets a little high. And if you do that with Robbie Lawler, even if he's 41 years old, he will put a left hand on it. And I just would really like that magic moment for Robbie to go out on a knockout win. So I'm picking Lawler. Shouts to Ruthless. Thank you for everything. Hope it ends on a highlight. Stick around the welterweight division. Jack Della Maddalena and Josiah Harrell. My pick here is obviously Jack Della Maddalena. I say obviously he is a considerable demonstrative favorite. I think he rolls. He is somebody that I am fascinated to see what happens for him over the next few months. And then over the next few years in this division, he is showing thus far that he is certainly a top 15 fighter, potentially a top 10 fighter, and maybe even a top five fighter down the road. I cannot wait to see that continue. I think he makes a statement on Saturday, gets Harold out of there early, continues his run of first round finishes, picks up another victory. And I hope he's got a name. I hope he's got a name for Sydney. Because as I said yesterday, I anticipate him targeting Sydney as the return, provided everything goes smoothly here. And I hope he's got a name. I've got a couple that I want it to be, but I don't want to save them and ruin it. So we'll see. I will tweet it out before his fight. Before he gets in there, I will tweet out the names that I want to see. There's two that are in mind that I just, I would really like. That would be great. Yasmin Haragwi and Denise Gomes in the strawweight division. My pick is Yasmin Haragwi. I think she just has more to her game at this point. I think she is a more technical and more connected fighter in terms of all the things that she needs to do and blending everything together. Denise Gomes is tough as nails. She's hard. She comes from a good gym. She's training with good people. She's getting good work in. At 23, I do think she has some upside in this division and a future in this division. But unfortunately, she's in there with somebody slightly better than her, someone that is more ready to be moving forward in this division. In my opinion, at this point of their careers, this is why I didn't like the fight and talked about it on, on Wednesday on one question. Haragwi is a little bit further ahead. To me, there's no need to saddle Denise Gomes with a second UFC loss and drop her to one and two. But I do think that is what happens. I think we see a good, more complete, more well-rounded performance from Yasmin Haragwi here. I think we'll probably see some grappling because you nullify and neutralize some of that power and suddenness that Gomes brings to the table. We see Haragwi pick up a third straight win in the UFC, move a record to 11-0, and then maybe get herself a, a date with somebody in the top 15 next time out. Light heavyweights Jimmy Crute and Alonzo Menafield run it back. My pick here is Menafield. I'm really curious, I'm really surprised that Jimmy Crute is, is the favorite here, both in terms of recent performance, recent results, where, as I talked about on, on Wednesday, sorry, I'm just setting my do not disturb. I'm starting to get stuff buzzing through on my phone, so we'll kill that real quick. As we talked about on Wednesday, Jimmy Crute, winless in his last three fights, hasn't won a fight dating back to 2020, whereas Menafield is, is on a reasonable run here including the draw. 
And I just think that this is going to play out where Jimmy Crude ends up getting hurt, right? He's a killer be killed guy. And he's in there with somebody that is just bigger and stronger and able to take those shots a little more. The reason I think that, and maybe this changes, maybe Jimmy Crute will prove me wrong on Saturday. He should, in my estimation, take Alonzo Menafield down and beat him on the ground. He has a distinct advantage in the grappling department. Jimmy Crute, jiu-jitsu black belt, good judo player. We've seen some of those submissions. Take this dude down and submit him. The fact that he didn't in the first fight kind of makes me nervous. And I think if he stands with Menafield, Menafield is going to get him out of there this time. They know each other. There's some familiarity. You know what he, they bring to the table. You know some shots you might be able to pick and choose and find this time around. And I think Zoe gets it done. Tatsuro Tyra versus Edgar Shiraz in a 130-pound catchweight fight. My pick is Tyra. He's just orders of magnitude better than this dude. And I say that with no disrespect to Shiraz. I think Tatsuro Tyra is one of the best prospects in the UFC. I think he is arguably the best prospect in the flyweight division. And I think he dominates here. Picks up another victory, picks up a fourth win in the UFC, continues marching forward undefeated, gets himself in a position. He's another one similar to Della. I want him to have a name. I want him to call for a top 15 opponent next time out because that's where I think he should be. Let's just see. Someone at the bottom, someone in the lower third, I know I talked about it earlier this week. Tim Elliott is the name that sticks out in my head. Let's just see. It's time. Give him that test just to figure out where he is and how quickly he might be able to move up the ranks. Back to light heavyweight Vitor Petrino and Marcin Pracnio. My pick here is Pracnio. I know he is the underdog. We'll get to that on the betting show, part two of the double dip in a little bit. I just wasn't impressed with Petrino in his win over Anton Turcali. The Pleasure Man, still one of the best nicknames in the UFC, even if he won't be in the UFC for too much longer, I would I would reckon. There just wasn't anything there that made me really think he's going to come out and beat a guy that's 4-1 and one in his last five fights and has shown he understands how to not only win rounds and win fights, but just play within himself. There's still some stuff that Pracneo does that puts him at risk all the time. The chin is still a little high. He doesn't have his hands as high up as they should be to kind of cover and take some of those shots. But on the whole, I think he can go out here, bang home body kicks, bang home low kicks, and avoid some trouble. This to me feels like one of those fights, and I'm hoping that it, I'm hoping my assessment of it is correct, that it is a far more veteran, far more seasoned guy stepping in there with a young, inexperienced, raw fighter, and the veteran savvy and guile and understanding wins out. Could be totally wrong. Petrino could come out here, hit him with something thunderous, and we're done in a hurry. But I'm going to side with the veteran from Poland, and we'll see what happens after that. Bantamweights, Cameron Simon and Terrence Mitchell. The pick is Cameron Simon. I think this is a pretty straightforward fight. For Cameron Simon, I think he is better everywhere. We've already seen a couple good wins. There's been some rough moments in there. There have been some fouls. But I think this is an opportunity for him to go out and really, if he wants to, kind of rein it in a little bit and just be super technical. I think he has the skills and talents and power to still create finishing opportunities 
without chasing, without pushing, and by just staying technical. Terrence Mitchell is somebody that has continued to have success since being on season 24 of The Ultimate Fighter, but it's just against marginal competition. He's a perfect guy for where he is traditionally in terms of where he fights and where he competes and who he's winning against and who he's facing and who he's beating. There are fighters like Terrence Mitchell, or there should be fighters like Terrence Mitchell, in just about every regional promotion there is. A local kind of standout, easy to be the champion, beat the guys you bring in, but this is the big leagues. And Cameron Simon is significantly better than him, and I think that shows through on Saturday. Back to flyweight. Shannon Ross versus Jesus Aguiar. My pick is Aguiar. Part of it is that we haven't seen anything positive, really, truly, from Shannon Ross between Contender Series and his appearance earlier this year, excuse me, at UFC 284 against Clayton Rodriguez that lasted 59 seconds. Part of it is that Aguiar is able to create finishing opportunities or has that sort of finishing maneuver with the guillotine choke. I think we see it. I honestly think we see it. I think Shannon Ross at some point makes a mistake and leaves his neck out there because Aguiar is one of those guys. And I'm going to, I'm going to invoke the name of Cody McKenzie from back in the day. He is one of those dudes that will just always find a place to, to latch onto it and will hunt for it and will look for it. And every opportunity you give him, he is going to be searching for that neck. And I think he finds it at some point on, on Saturday get himself a victory, get him moving forward, probably send Shannon Ross packing. And now we get to the opener, Kamuela Kirk, Esteban Rebovich in the lightweight division. And my pick is Kamuela Kirk. I think I called him Cameron. Kamuela Kirk. I'm nervous about a fractured back in March. I'm nervous about just the pick in general, right? That kind of injury, this kind of layoff. I'm not 100% sold. It feels more like a coin flip fight. Kirk is the underdog in this, so he is an underdog selection. But I'm not sold on Rebovich either. He feels like a guy to me that I talked about on Wednesday that has gone out and beaten middling competition to get to where he is. He beat a guy in Thomas Paul on the Contender Series that is sort of similar to me like Terrence Mitchell is was a champion in the smaller promotion that he was fighting in back home in England. Perfect guy for that promotion, but not a guy that was going to be in the UFC and go out and beat Esteban Rebovich. But I also don't know that Rebovich is also a guy that's going to really go forward in the UFC, whereas I've seen Kamuela Kirk go out there and beat Makwan Armarkani and go out and be competitive against Damon Jackson in points, in fits and starts. And he's beaten and faced some good competition on the regional circuit. So it's a little risky. It's a little not sure, close to a coin flip fight for me, but I'll take the guy that has a couple UFC wins or has a UFC win and a couple appearances under his belt to round out the picks for UFC 290. Before we get out of here, as always, please check out the Keyboard Kimura newsletter on Substack. If you are watching on the YouTube page, you can screenshot that. QR code up there in the corner. It will take you there. Everything I put out right into your inbox the minute I hit publish. Subscribe for free for five bucks, for 50 bucks for the year. 
Any way you do, greatly appreciate it. Happy to have you. Hope to inform you. Check out the guys at One Bone, onebonebrand.com, at onebonebrand on Twitter, Instagram, and threads. I now have to include threads as people are starting to move to threads. There's something coming. They were teasing something last night. There's something coming. I'm going to be paying attention. I hope you do as well. Go check them out. If you do make any purchases, ESK20 at checkout for 20% off your order. And as always, follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I will be up on threads before the weekend is out. Probably, let's be honest, everybody's going and I want to. I don't want to get left behind. All the content goes there. All the everything goes there. I will be there Saturday tweeting through these fights. I'm sure as I'm doing recaps, as I'm doing 10 things, both prelims and main card, we're blowing it out this weekend. It is the best fight card of the year. I hope you are excited. I hope your selections come through for you. I'll be back in a little bit with the betting show. Until then, carry yourselves and we'll talk soon. I'm, 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 I'm,